0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode nine of Faith Practically. I am Darian Claxon. I have my special guest with me, Sananda Edwards, and he is a speaker, he is a mentor, he's an educator, success coach, mental health advocate, and author of the book, yes. The Extraordinary Mr. Nobody, A Beginner's Guide to Self-Healing. Thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. We're going to talk about mental health from a faith perspective, since sure. that's what our show is about. Yeah. Let's first bow our heads for prayer spirit of the living god fall fresh on us in christ's name amen amen so you've been featured on blackenterprise.com yes. you're on npr you live and breathe mental health amen. 25 years in the industry working with young adults working with youth mm-hmm. uh you're the co-founder of above it all which is a mental health program offering psychiatric rehab yes. services for youth five to seventeen mm-hmm. Uh, your success coach. You work with Baltimore City Schools. Yes. You try to find this pathway, free training for jobs placements, etc., etc., and you work with the Cambio Group, which empowers schools, parents, and students to be the best versions of themselves. Yes. And that's just the highlights. Yes. <laughs> so you live in Baltimore City. You're married. Yes, you're on. You're at Ground Zero. Yes, sir. In a very rough uh, area of town that definitely has that need. So first, talk Absolutely. about your why. What is your your passion for mental health, where does that come from? Well, great question. It's loaded, loaded Mm. question. Uh, First (laughs) of all,
1: I want to say I appreciate you uh, inviting me on today. Mm. I'm excited to be here. Mm. Um, My why. So when I was younger, um, I I, I, I honestly, quite frankly, I dealt with depression. But Mm. the the, 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 the odd thing um, about it was that I didn't know Mm -hmm. I was dealing with depression at that time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until years later when you start uh, educating yourself a little bit more, Um, you start kind of coming to terms with who you are, Mm -hmm. that you reflect, Mm -hmm. and then you kind of see, you know what, that was a pretty dark time for me. Mm -hmm. And then you start trying to figure out, you start trying to kind of figure out, Why? Why was I going through that? Um, What what kind of things could I have put in place Mm -hmm. that would have helped me kind of deal with things a little bit better? Mm -hmm. So um, I guess to make a long story short, that's kind of what my why was. I'm at a point where I understand that there are uh, young people, Mm -hmm. there are men Mm -hmm. that are in that same reward are in that same dark place that I was in mm. and how sometimes they just need a little bit of guidance. They need mm. a little bit of a push. They need someone who can kind of illuminate some things potentially for them sure. um, and allow them to uh, find ways. Cause I, cause I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a healer, you know, mm. only God's a healer. So the way I look at it is I try to kind of be that vessel. I try to be that instrument mm. that will help, lead people to healing. But the why was just kind of, honestly it was kind of selfish. It was me realizing all the things that I have gone through and then kind of getting to the understanding that it's not just enough for me to kind of go through this healing phase. It's important for me to put whatever I can in place to help others uh, get to the healing that they deserve.
0: Sure, sure, sure. So speak on the recognition of a need for help. So you grew up, you dealt with depression. Mm -hmm. How did you not compartmentalize that in other things? To say, yeah. well, maybe it was my upbringing, maybe right. you know it was this, as opposed to zeroing in on depression. How did you get to the point of realizing what that was and how would you instruct somebody else? Because mm-hmm. obviously acknowledgement Absolutely. is the, the first key.
1: That's it, that's it, it's key. Um, I, I think that at the time when I was going through it, I had this, uh, I, was, I was living this kind of um, duality. Mm-hmm. Um, I was depressed while at home, Mm -hmm. and then I'm at school, and I'm energized, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm energized, and I'm having a great time, and I'm having my friends, and everything is amazing. Um, So it took me a minute to understand uh, depression is, how can I pull it, it's layered. So what I mean by that is when something is layered, it means that there are these nuances to it. There are these nuances to it. There are certain things that I may deal with in depression that uh, someone else may not deal with in depression. Mm -hmm. So when you realize that it's nuanced, it's layered, there are so many different avenues to get to it. There are so many different avenues to get away from it. You start to get to a point where you're trying to figure out the specifics of it, but you're also trying to figure out the generalities. So, and and I'm trying to kind of... Bring it to, to a head. I'll give you an example. I was depressed because I was not. Um, I'll put it like this. I wasn't as strong as I thought I should be when mm. dealing with things that people are dealing with in in, 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 in the regular basis. What I, what I mean by that is um, I'm, I'm in high school. I'm dealing with uh, the issues of high school, not being able to go to a party. I grew up as one of Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. So I may not be able to go to a party. I may not be able to join a sports team. I may not be able to do those things. But it wasn't that my my mom, who was, again, was a Jehovah's Witness, it wasn't that she was punishing me. Mm-hmm. She was doing what she could to protect me. She was making sure that I had the best of what I needed to kind of live in this life. Mm-hmm. So when you're in those kind of dark spaces, you have to realize that it's not always people that are just trying to kind of pour onto you or put this heaviness onto you. What they're doing sometimes, we're just doing the best that they absolutely can. And they're trying to look out for you. But you also have to realize that perspective is key. I was feeling a certain way, so it was up to me to figure out a way to get out of that, mm-hmm. and figure out a way to uh, build myself up, figure out a way to understand where I'm coming from, and then build myself up to a point where I'm able to uh, not only recognize what it is, but to take the steps necessary to get to my healing process, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Sure, sure, that makes sense. sure,
0: You talked about the pressure of not feeling strong enough, mm-hmm. which you talk about often in your book. You yes. mentioned it. What is it? What is first of all the difficulties of men, particularly black men? What are some of the challenges mm-hmm. that that they face in gripping with the ideas of depression, anxiety? Why yeah. is are these things the last thing we want to do is go to a therapist? Yeah. Why is that the case? Yeah. And then kind of back up the camera because you work with men and women mm-hmm. of, of different backgrounds. Yes. Why is mental health in general this elephant in the room that we don't want to address? That's a great
1: question. Um, so I think the first the first thing that people have to kind of come to terms with is understanding that. One of the primary reasons why people don't always kind of say, you know what, it's depression, it's anxiety, I need to seek help, is there isn't always an acceptance of what is. Mm. Um, We go through, and this is an example I use all the time. Men, especially, um, let's say for the sake of saying, uh, you you, you grew up and you you, you're going out, you're going to a restaurant. Let's say you you know you're going to a restaurant with your family, and you walk into that restaurant, and um, instead of sitting down. Anywhere in the restaurant, lots of seats open, Mm. uh, you make sure that you kind of put your back to the
0: door right right right, right you mentioned that before right, for, right? Yeah. so you
1: kind of put your back to the door um or you, you you go to a restaurant or you go somewhere and instead of pulling in just kind of pulling into a parking mm. spot you make sure that you kind of pull your car backwards so that mm. you can quote unquote make a make a quick, quick getaway exit, if yes. necessary quick yes. exit if necessary right so you have men who do this mm. on the ongoing basis mm. they've been doing it all their lives but they don't see that as some type of post traumatic stress mm. either from something that they've gone through mm. or from something that someone else has gone through mm-hmm. and they've put it on to them. Mm-hmm. A lot of things we do we, th- are learned, right? right? Mm-hmm. So you might have had someone tell you, uh, look, when you go into restaurants, don't sit with your back right. to the door. And sometimes you may not ask any questions about it, you mm-hmm. just kind of put that as a part of your natural ongoing process of life and you don't realize why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Or again, you may have gone through something and it forces you to kind of do those things. Mm-hmm. So when you do that, um, again, you have to realize that with men, we don't always kind of acknowledge mm-hmm that we're dealing with depression, acknowledge that we're dealing with with, with anxiety. And when we don't acknowledge it, that's when it becomes a problem. From there, um, it's making the leap to therapy is, it's huge, it's it's, it's, it's a huge leap. Um, To your point, it's difficult for men, especially, to kind of come to terms with, kind of coming outside of, I'll say, societally accepted, Um, reality. What I mean by that is we're generally expected to be providers. We're generally expected to be resilient. We're generally expected to be able to kind of push through anything that we're faced with. Mm. And the notion is that we have to do that for our families. For the sake of our families, we have to do it. But there's a thing called Mm self-care. We have to get to a point where we have to take care of ourselves. Because the reality is if we don't take care of ourselves, how are we going to take care of our families? How are we going to take care of our wives? How are we going to take care of our children? And give them all that we need. Um, So when you when you kind of ignore uh, uh, f- society and you ignore the things that, are, that, that you're doing that kind of lend to, hey, you know, you might be kind of dealing with some post-traumatic stress mm. or, you, or you find yourself, um, here's some other quick examples. You find yourself uh, staying alone. Mm. a lot, not just for, you know, when you kind of get, want to get some prayer time mm. or you just need a couple minutes to yourself, but you find yourself kind of extending that and you might need mm. uh, an hour, two mm. hours, three hours, mm. just completely by yourself. Those are things that kind of lend to depression. When you find yourself, folks are inviting you out places. Hey, why don't you come out? Let's have lunch. No, nah. I'd rather not. Right. So again, When you put a name to it and you say, you know what, I might be dealing with something. I might be kind of going through something. And then we have to make that again, that large transition to not only am I dealing with something, not only am I going to call a thing a thing, Mm -hmm. but you know what, I might need a little bit of help. I've been praying on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been going to my Bible, trying to get some type of fortification, trying to get taken that spiritual food, mm. and I need just a little bit more. I need mm. something else. And that's, again, where therapy can come into play. And you can have someone where you can bounce some ideas off of, mm. bounce some of your thoughts off of, and you can kind of get a little bit more clarity because sometimes when we're going through things by ourselves, it's not as easy to see the light um, sure. when we're kind of going through things by
0: ourselves. Sure, so. sure. And I like the... You know, we we talk about the spiritual aspect because it's it's utterly comical to presume that mental health issues only happen to non-believers like nobody has a monopoly on that (laughs) so and i can think in my mind you talk about scriptures Mm -hmm. that there are platitudes Mm -hmm. that we as believers may tell ourselves if i think i'm depressed you know oh i'm I'm counted all (laughs) joy when you go through various trials (laughs) and i have the peace that passes understanding and and all these things that we may tell ourselves Mm -hmm. what kind of challenges well, what kind of barriers do you think we put in our minds as people of faith mm-hmm. when it comes to dealing with mental health? And how have you been able to instruct people to overcome those barriers? That's Some a great, that.
1: That, yeah. that's a great question.
0: Um, I think that the
1: foundation of most of our learning, especially spiritually, um, is faith. Mm. And when your spiritual basis and your spiritual foundation is faith, then that faith kinda is the common thread in all in, in, in our lives. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that we're doing, we have faith that we're gonna overcome. Mm-hmm. We have faith that God is gonna take care of us. We have faith that everything is gonna be okay. So that being the case, when you get to a point where you're like, maybe I need therapy, mm-hmm immediately it's a trigger for you because it's almost like, wow, so is my faith slipping? Mm. Am I not, you know, am I I not believing as strongly as I should, as as I should believe? Mm. And it becomes almost like an internal spiritual battle. Mm. And my, one of my goals is to kind of, to your point, make sure that we don't look at it as a battle. Mm. I look at things like I was blessed to find my therapist Mm. um, years ago. I'm working in a school, um, I'm, I'm, I'm what, was called, what is called now a community school coordinator, I'm no longer in that position. Mm-hmm. But my job was to kind of gather up resources mm-hmm. for uh, the school. So I go into a school, let's say for the sake of saying they need uh, food, I find that families need food, I'll make sure I get a partnership with the Maryland Food Bank to get some, get a food pantry there to make sure they're able to do it. Let's say uh, young people are in need of uniforms, I get a partnership to make sure they have uniforms. Um, teachers need different supplies and mm-hmm. things of that nature. I get the partnerships that will make the uh, families, the children, and the uh, the the staff of the school as successful as possible. So in any event, I'm there uh, we got it we received a grant for a social worker to come into the school the social worker was there to work with families work with children and it just so happens by God's grace she shared an office with me mm. so I'm sitting in there and we're kind of going through things and, and 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 therapists just have a way of listening they have, you know they have this way of just kind of being there being present listening to what's going on so I'm dealing with different things within the school day I'm dealing with things uh, just in life in general and I'm just kind of mentioning those things to her just mentioning those things to her and she's kind of kind of giving me tools. Uh, she's First of all, she's listening, but she's also kind of giving me tools that I could kind of uh, uh, b- build on or kind of put into my own personal t- toolbox so that I can kind of deal with life. I'm saying all that to say uh, this young lady actually later on became my therapist. Um, she's a Christian-based therapist. Um, she uh, offers me scripture mm-hmm. when I need it. So I'm saying all that to say that's kind of a roundabout way of saying that one of the things that she taught me was that we have to get out of thinking that we're enough. Mm-hmm. God puts people in our path. Mm-hmm. That we cross path with paths with people who it's almost predetermined it is predetermined he's like look you're gonna you're gonna need someone like this in mm-hmm. your life mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened so we have to kind of start looking at it not like it's in a not like feeling a certain way and wanting to seek the additional assistance is an attack on our faith mm-hmm. but instead it's a way that God is creating a path for us mm-hmm. uh, to push for our own healing um, again with faith sure. as the basis,
0: if sure. that makes sense. Yes, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. So let's bridge the two sides. Mm-hmm. You, obviously you're a Christian or you're, you're passionate about your faith. Yes. And you have individuals who come in looking for help mm-hmm. who probably have never heard the gospel. Yeah. Maybe they don't even want to hear that. Mm-hmm. They just wanna survive day to day. Yeah. Particularly living in a rough neighborhood. Mm-hmm. How does your assistance l- look different from maybe somebody else who's not faith-based? In other words, mm-hmm. If somebody comes in, is there a conflict Mm -hmm. in you wanting to reach them on a spiritual level, Mm -hmm. but either they don't want to hear that or you're Mm -hmm. trying to maintain professionalism? What kind of challenges have you had in bridging those two gaps, you being passionate about your faith in Christ, Mm -hmm. but also wanting to help someone and not proselytize and not give them things that they don't want?
1: That's a great question. Um, I I think that you have to... The one thing that I'm learning, and it's something that I've come to terms with mm-hmm. as a 40-year-old man, 40 mm-hmm. this year, mm-hmm. <laughs> the 40-year-old man is you have to be you. Mm-hmm. You have to be who you are. You have to um, push to, to give really the best representation of who you are. Mm-hmm. So to your question, I am, who I, I am who I am. So when I'm working with people um it's nothing for me to to kind of say hey listen guys I need you all to understand um this is by no means the thoughts of my job or my this or my that you don't know I need mean? my job mm-hmm. or my organization or whatever it is but this is just something that I have done mm-hmm. that works for me. Mm-hmm. Um if it, and 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 there's, and there's nothing wrong with asking is it okay is it okay for me to say this sure. is it okay for me to um you know what I have uh there's a scripture mm-hmm. that works for me and that scripture is A, B, and C or whatever it is. Is it okay if I share that with you? Mm-hmm. Can I get you know, can I can I pass that along to you? Mm-hmm. And they are perfectly free to say, nah, no, nah, I'm okay. I'm good with that, Mr. Edwards. I just need to just like okay, that's fine. Well okay. here's some other additional tools that I think that could help help you. Okay. So I think that you have to be yourself. And again, it's it, it's a slippery slope mm-hmm. because you don't want to uh, I would kind of say overburden people with mm-hmm. your own thoughts and mm-hmm. things of that nature, mm-hmm. but you do have to ha- have to be who you are. Mm-hmm. So when folks leave, I'm going to tell them to have a blessed day. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if if people ask, you know, um, would you mind if I pray for you? You know, there are different things like that, and it's nothing wrong with asking the question. And you, and, but before I, again, before I start kind of instituting those things, uh, one of the big thing, big biggest things that I do is I try my best whenever possible to create safe spaces mm-hmm. um, because you also don't want to, you don't want to start off kind of overburdening them, overburdening them, either with my personal spirituality or even with the things that I've learned as a mental health advocate. I can't overburden them with those things. So really it's about focusing in on them. Um, it's about creating that safe space because over time, as you grow in relationships with, 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 with whether it's young people, men, uh, women, parents, different things of that nature, um, when you create the safe space, it allows for communication. And the communication I want it to be two-way. I don't want to offer a prayer and they feel obligated to take it because mm-hmm. they're receiving a service for mm-hmm. me. It's more like we have this right. Uh, we have this, uh, this 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 relationship now. Mm-hmm. I've created this safe space or so I've tried my best to create this safe space. And then if I offer a scripture that has helped me, mm-hmm. then it's like, hey, do you mind? And then they feel good enough to say, nah, Mr. Edwards, I'm good. Sure. I, and I want them to feel that way, right. like, oh, nah, Mr. Edwards, I'm fine, yeah. I'm good. But if they do say, you know what, yeah, Mr. Edwards, let me let me hear what you got to say, then I'll, then then I'll take that opportunity too. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's it's a delicate balance. It's a slippery slope but again i think it's about being who you are mm-hmm. you have to be who you are and yes we wear these different hats i'm an author and i'm a success coach and i'm those things and i have to make sure that i'm representing those organizations too there's no question about it but at the same time as a person It's, I I am also obligated by God to offer spiritual counsel when I'm able to give it, but it's an offer. And even if it's a, no, you know what? No, I'm good, Mr. Edwards. Then I have to be able to accept that too. So it's a a bit of a slippery slope, Mm -hmm. but I like to call it better than a slippery slope. I like to call it a delicate balance because it's about uh, creating that safe space, encouraging people to find what helps them as opposed to what harms them. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you're able to offer, you mind if I offer you something that has helped me personally? Mm-hmm. And then when folks are willing to say, you know what? Well, yeah. what What is it that's helped you? Mm-hmm. Here you go. Let me offer some spirituality mm-hmm. or some counsel that I got from someone
0: or from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Last week on the audio version, I had my wife on and we got into the idea of therapy. You know, mm-hmm. she, both, both she and I Big advocates of therapy, okay. even though we believe in praying and we mm-hmm. believe in the holy Spirit Absolutely. so and she talked about the idea of fit mm-hmm. and how it's important when you 're seeking obviously you're not a therapist mm-hmm. when someone is a believer and they come to a point where they realize they need professional help, mm-hmm. does that person have to be a, a, a faith mm-hmm. that that therapist or is it just pretty much, you know, someone who's good at what they do, mm-hmm. even if their, their, their values don't align? Like, how close does that have to be from a faith standpoint? So that,
1: I think that's a great question. So I'm, I'm very big on um, people finding, the, the, the word that you said is, is, is probably the best word, fit, mm-hmm. finding their fit. Um, I often talk about therapy in terms of it being, it's almost like a buffet. You Mm. can choose what type of therapist you think you may need, Mm. and that's important. Um, Me personally, I want a Christian therapist. I want someone who is able to kind of text me scripture every now and Mm. again. She'll kind of like, every couple days she'll text me a scripture like, hey, why don't you take a look at this, Mm. tell me what you think, or take a look at this and I hope you have a blessed day, things of that nature. Those are the things that I need from my therapist. There are some people who they don't necessarily need the, the, the spiritual background per se, but they need that kind of clinical therapist who is going to help them mm-hmm. to de- the, to devise plans that will help them with the everydayness of what mental health kind mm-hmm. of kind of fits on us. Because reality is. Um, Mental health is something that it's an everyday thing. Mm. Sometimes we're going to have good days. Sometimes we're going to have bad days. Mm. But every day we need to kind of put ourselves in the best position to have the best day that we can. So sometimes you just need that clinical therapist. Mm. You need someone who is just going to give you the nuts and bolts, who's going to be there, um, who's going to give you that couch, per se, let you sit on that couch and let you kind of go about it. But there are also therapists who like to walk parks, who who, will say, you know Mm. what, if you want to just walk through this park, let's walk through this park, have Mm. a conversation. We're in tune with nature. We're going to, you know, have a great conversation and kind of get some things out there so I would always say you have to try to get with the therapist that best suits or fits your needs that's what's most important but my biggest thing is don't don't swear off of therapy. What I mean by that is you go to one therapist, it doesn't fit, so you're just like, therapy no more. I'm Mm. done with it. It's not going to work. My biggest thing, one of my biggest things is just make sure that we're, because again, I I think about physical doctors and you go somewhere and you might have something going on with your foot or Mm. your leg or your arm or what have you and doctor doesn't treat you exactly the way that you want to be treated. You're not sure about some things. You're not just going to say, you know what, I'm just going to stay home. You're going to find another doctor. doctor, Again, that best suits your needs. Mm. So I will always say, try a therapist, um, try different th- Try different therapists. And it's also important, again, w- to talk to people about it. I think that because there is this stigma that is around mental health in general, mm-hmm. therapy specifically, that we don't talk to one another about it. Mm-hmm. Because the reality of the matter is you and I can have a conversation and I can say, you know what, we're talking about whatever's going on. And I say, you know what, I have this great therapist who does who does X, Y, and Z. And you say, oh, you know, but I'm, I'm seeing a therapist as well. But just right there, there's a connection. It's like, okay, well, who's your therapist? What types of things does your, ther- does, your, does your therapist do? And then we can kind of share those things. That's where conversation has to get to a point of. Because we have to make sure that we are choosing people who are um, of benefit to us. Um, and, and, again, I don't think it necessarily has to be someone who has um, a, a deeply spiritual background Um that works for me. <laughs> I need that, um, but I don't think that's it's absolutely necessary because there are some people who have their spiritual foundation so. You know, so fortified mm. um, and and so strong that again, they just need the therapeutic part. Mm. I just need a couple little things. And again, with therapists, it's not one of those things where um, I have to go to therapy two times a week. I have to go to therapy one time a week. Mm. There are therapists who'll see you like once a month, once every you know what I mean, who you can mm. kind of check in with and see how things are going. Why are you getting your spiritual? Why are you getting your spiritual fortification individually? Mm. Why are you getting your spiritual fortification from say your church home? Mm. And you just might need some of the nuts and bolts of the therapy. Mm. So that works. For you so it's really about really realizing and figuring out what it is what dynamic works best for your personal mental health and then kind of um strengthening dynamic
0: with, with the with the therapy choices that you make sure sure i know i i've been to several therapists before and i found that i don't really think that they did anything besides give me a channel to tell this person things that i didn't realize was there That's it. so they asked the right questions mm-hmm. but i'm doing most of the talking and after the fact, I'm like, wow, you know, part of me is thinking they didn't really do anything, but <laughs> those revelations never would have come had they not probed the right question. So I think, yeah, I definitely agree that in terms of the dynamics, some people, particularly if you're dealing with serious childhood issues, traumatic issues, if you have to get very personal, yes. maybe you want to find someone uh, that, that 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 fits that from a spiritual standpoint. But yeah. um, definitely think that's important. Talk about your book. Yeah transitioning from therapy because the title of your book Mm -hmm. or the tagline is a beginner's guide to self-healing. So how does that mesh with seeking professional health? In other Mm -hmm. words, if I pick up this book, will I have the feeling like I can heal myself Mm -hmm. or is this a process to get me somewhere else. I kind of talk about that and maybe Absolutely. some things that, that can help somebody else.
1: So so um, first of all you you're, you're you're I love the the kind of the, the for the frame the way you're framing it um, because again the tagline it's a beginner's guide mm. to self-healing. Um, and you said it earlier, I am by no means a therapist. Mm. I am a mental health advocate. Um, I've been diagnosed with depression. Mm. Um, I've been diagnosed kind of approaching anxiety. Mm. Um, not quite having not not quite having it, I guess. Um but I call it a beginner's guide to self-healing because it's based on my experiences. It's based on my experiences as a, as as a young man in high school, then going through going through college, um, uh, having a, a child um, at the age of I think I was what 32 ish uh, when I when I had my my, my first um, child, um, but. It's a beginner's guide in that it allows you, what I try to do is, it's not an autobiography. I remember I was writing it, mm-hmm. and um, people were kind of asking like, so you're gonna write, like an, it's like an autobiography type right. thing? And it's like, well, uh, who are you, dude? Like, like people are people gonna read about you? And it's like, no, nah, it's not really an autobiography, but it is kind of me putting a mirror up mm-hmm. and reflecting on some of the choices that I've made mm-hmm. throughout my life and where those choices led me. And the goal of the book is to kind of allow people to do the same thing mm-hmm. so I'm like you know what I'll be your crash dummy okay. you look at this decision that I made you tell me how it could have been done differently mm-hmm. you tell me how it could have been done better but also while you're doing that, while I'm while you're beating up on me I want you to kind of think about some of the things that you've done mm-hmm. think about some of the things that you've done over the course of your life that weren't always the best decisions that you've made or think about uh, if, if I've done something that you did that was extremely similar to to something that you've done look at that Let's break it down. Let's reflect on it. Let's kind of see what could have been done better if either you would have had more guidance or if you would have taken a little bit more time to really think about what it is that you're doing. So what I tried to do was, again, try to use myself kind of as a crash dummy so that people can kind of be in tune with themselves. And we talked about it earlier, how men in, uh, men, men specifically, but people in general have to get to a point where they're calling a thing a thing, where they're putting their finger on something. And that's what my book tries to do. I try to allow people to kind of put their finger on, you know what? I have to be better at this. Mm. Um, even if it's literally choosing the people who you call your friends. Mm. And that's a big part of my book. I talk about relationships. And generally when you say that word relationships, people tend to, to, to jump on, oh, you must be talking about intimate relationships. Right. And yes, that's a, that's a part of life. Obviously it's a huge part of life. But the reality is the people who you decide who you choose to label as your friends, mm-hmm. it's vitally important who those who, who those people are because if you don't have the correct support system, you're going to have people that are supporting you and doing the wrong things. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that you're choosing the right people to add to your support system. That's a, again that's a that, that's a part, part of the book. Just really focusing on um, taking care of yourself. Uh, people um, who you choose to be your friends. Why are you choosing these people to be your friends? Also, it allows you time to kind of reflect on your family. The reality of the, reality of the matter is, and it's, it's a difficult subject to kind of broach because many people often are very rigid about their thoughts on family. But the reality of the matter is there are toxic relationships within families. Sure. So what we have to do is we have to be cognizant of those things. Mm-hmm. We have to be open to those things. We have to be understanding of those things. And then we have to do the work to fix the fix those relationships. And what I mean by that is because generally people will say, well, you know what? I'm okay. That person has the mm-hmm. issues. So this is what I yes. need to do. But in therapy, you'll learn, no. Therapy, th- therapy is... Big on you not pointing your finger. Mm-hmm. Therapy allows you to look at you, like you were saying mm-hmm. earlier. You, you're kind of talking through some things. You're making some realizations on, on, with the guidance of a therapist, maybe, or they're asking these kind of probing questions that get you to a certain point. But the reality is, it's about you. It's about your voice. It's about the things that you you can do to create safe spaces for yourself mm-hmm. in connection with your family, in connection with your friends. So again, the book is about kind of starting that process understanding some things about yourself Um, and again me kind of using myself and saying hey these are some decisions that I made some bad decisions that I made how would you deal with those things differently how could you reflect on your life and reflect on some of your choices and then after that it's about kind of broaching the subject of you know what I may have uh, I may have been dealing with some mental health issues and I didn't want to really say I was dealing with those mental mm. health issues, but seeing that this guy who seems quote unquote like an all-American guy, mm. graduated high school, went on to college, graduated college, went on to get his master's degree, those are those big staples in society. Right. Um, have a little one, got married, like, oh, wow, like he, so he should be doing pretty well. And I'm doing okay. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to to have those things and to have accumulated those things and to meet my wonderful wife. But the reality of the matter is we all struggle. Mm -hmm. We all have places where we can get better. We all have uh, skills that we can sharpen. And that's what this book is about. This book is really about, hey, take a second. Look at yourself. Mm -hmm. What are some decisions that you can make even now Mm -hmm. to make yourself better? Because some people don't even like to really dig too deeply in the past because those are sometimes scabs that are hard you know what I mean it's 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 a difficult process so again that's why hey look you can use you can use my past use my past here's some things that I've dealt with now how can we get better starting today Mm -hmm. and that's what the book is about just talking about some things that beginning process to self-healing because initially and throughout the process it starts with you it's about self-healing, it's about your voice, it's about figuring out the way to, to, to heal yourself slightly, even slightly, begin the process, and then you can figure out what other avenues you need to go to. Do I need to get in my word more? Do I need to do that? Is that what I need to do to make sure that I'm healing myself? Do I need to fine tune my relationship with God? Is that something that I really I really need to do? You know what? Yeah, I need to make sure my prayer life, we were talking about a little earlier. I need to strengthen my prayer life. That's what I need to do. I need to kind of get in my word more. That's what I need to do. Or do I need to kind of look at these relationships that I, and I'm talking about again, familial relationships, friendly relationships, workplace relationships. A lot of times we're at the workplace and we feel, you know what, I'm here, so I have to deal with A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, you, maybe you have to kind of interact with those people, mm-hmm. but the way you interact with those people is important as well. So you have to kind of begin that process. Mm-hmm. Or, like I said, or is it therapy? Do I need to get some therapy mm-hmm. and get those kind of nuggets that I can put in my toolbox mm-hmm. so that when I go to work, I'm able to kind of, uh, what, what can I do mm-hmm. to not not necessarily always fix the relationship mm-hmm. but what can I do to make sure that I'm creating again I say this word a billion times mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm creating that safe space around myself mm-hmm. so that I can kind of move forward with my day my my my, my week my year my um, my month my life that type of thing sure
0: sure what really resonates with me and what you're saying is the realization of how little control we have over our lives. If there are familial issues, well, you mm-hmm. can't control your family. You're born right. to that family. That's right. uh, workplace, mm-hmm. your coworkers, you can't control that. You're there. You're stuck exactly. there. Most of us spend more time at work or, than we do at home. That's right. So the idea of control and the lack thereof, and even you choose your mate, you choose your spouse, but you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. Right. You you Absolutely. meet them, and mm-hmm. so and they don't even know because they haven't done self-healing and so there's some things that they bring to the table. So we're in this environment, we've inserted ourselves into different spaces and we don't realize, wow, we have very little control. And that kind of segues to our case study with Job. Job is a man who was out of control, who didn't have control. He's someone who, when when we see the narrative, he has tons of money, He's billionaire by our standards. Yep. He's got the wife, has got the 10 kids, he's got the servants, but he's also called a righteous man, yes. which is those two concepts very rarely mm-hmm. a, a mix. Christ says it's difficult for a rich man to go to heaven, but he yeah. is perfect in all his ways. Mm-hmm. And so now there's just cosmic struggle. There's this debate between God and Satan. God kind of puts him out there saying, hey, this is a rich man, but this is somebody who serves me, check him out. Mm-hmm. And Satan throws shade. And oh, he's like, yo, he, you, you paid him off. You bribed. That's why he serves you. So I bet you right. if I were to go in there and, mm-hmm. and cause a scandal and make the stock market crash, yes. get him <laughs> locked out of his business, the board you know, uh, 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 votes him out, Amen. bank seizes assets, <laughs> forecloses house, right. repo the Lex Coupe, the Divas and the Benz, yes, you know sir. what I'm saying? Right. Uh, uh, Thanos snaps his kids. <laughs> like it. he will he right. will have some choice words for you. Right. And God knows the beginning from the end and lets it happen mm-hmm. and takes it all away. Mm-hmm. Satan also afflicts him from head Mm -hmm. to toe. Let's put him on the couch because Mm -hmm. when we see the beginning of this narrative, his response is one of, hey, I didn't come to this world with anything. I can't go out with it. Naked I came, naked I'm gonna leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so he seems like he's good. Mm -hmm. Then his wife comes along, which (laughs) as a man, you know, I'm like, for us, if we lose everything, but Wifey is on yeah. our side, it's like okay, we, you know what I mean? We can, like, deal, like, we can we deal, We can do. We can do. We can But, deal. but, but Wifey and I'm not, I'm not trying to blame Job's wife. I mean, yeah. she's the one who labored for them ten kids, so Absolutely. she's definitely going through it. No question. But like Satan left no stone unturned mm-hmm. in making sure sure Job had all of the trigger points yes. to have a mental crisis. Yes. So when we get to the end of chapter two, he's sitting, he's itching, he's mm-hmm. he's he's reminiscing on his problems, but he seems good. Mm-hmm. And then in chapter three, he goes and talks about deploring his birth, mm-hmm. wishing he yes, were dead. Yes. So talk about that. Yes, How does this yes. transition go yes. from "I'm good" mm-hmm. and and God is God's God mm-hmm. got this? It said without a single word did he malign the mm-hmm. character of God? He mm-hmm. was still faithful. How does he get from there to here? Where yes. he's wishing he were dead. Yes. So it's it's, it's so interesting. Um, reflection. Mm.
1: I think that with Job, initially, and again, we talked about that word resilience. Mm. We have this kind of sometimes built in resilience that, that's just like, hey, look, come one, come all, I'm mm. gonna be fine, I'm gonna be able to take anything that comes my way, I'm mm. good. Mm. Natural resilience, me, me, me. Mm. You add to that, then you add to that your faith and understanding that God has your back mm that makes you like a superhero you know what I mean it's like not only do I have this natural resilience but I got God on my side Mm -hmm. I'm good I Mm -hmm. can take anything Mm -hmm. any way I'm fine I'm good but then you start reflecting on things Mm -hmm. and then you start talking we talked about this a little while before you go into that corner you go into that basement Mm -hmm. and you're down there you're by yourself Mm -hmm. and You're not coming out when the friends are asking you to come out. Mm -hmm. You're not uh, making sure that you're aligning yourself with people who are gonna spiritually fortify you, Mm -hmm. who are gonna pour into you uh, soundly and spiritually, but also just gonna kind of fortify you and encourage you and motivate you to do well. Mm -hmm. You're reflecting, you're doing Mm -hmm. your own thing Mm -hmm. by yourself. To me, that's kind of what Job did. Mm -hmm. Instead of sticking with what got him where he was, continuing on that path, Mm -hmm. He then kind of went into this dark place. I call it almost like a cave. Mm-hmm. He went into a cave mm-hmm. and then he starts reflecting, but then that reflecting, it, honestly, there is, um, how can I put this? You've probably heard the saying before, too much of anything is not a good idea. Right. Too much of anything is not a good idea. I am wholeheartedly in agreement with reflection. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing too much reflection, Mm. if you go into that dark place and you're going into that cave and you start over, over, over analyzing things too Mm. much, then I mean, this this not only this man, this man was dealing with the crisis like now in real time, in the reality of things right then and there. He literally went back and he's and he's he was doing that for years. He had amazing things going on. Wife, kids, businesses, everything going great. Mm he literally reflected to a point where he started thinking about birth. Mm. Like you're thinking about, Mm. you're taking yourself back. You're not taking yourself back, uh, excuse me, uh, a week Mm. or a month Mm. or a year. In fact, well, maybe if this decision was a little bit different, maybe if I'd have done this a little bit differently, Mm. I can change some things up. He literally took himself back to birth. Mm. And when you start doing too much reflection, Mm. that's a problem. Mm. You're, leaving things in your own hands. Your superpower is now gone because you're not relying on God anymore. That's a a huge thing. Again, I talked about having that natural resilience and then fortifying that with with your God sense, Mm -hmm. having that God beside you. That's not really what you were focusing on. Mm -hmm. You were literally so defeated and so just kind of, again, taking yourself back to that place in that darkness where it was just like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have even been born. Mm. And when you get to that point, that's when you know that, again, I think you've kind of lost your superpower. Mm. You've kind of lost your way. That superpower is really having that God sense, having that faith, having that intuition to know mm. whatever test this is. this is, First of all, it is a test. It's a lesson of some sort. There is something I will be able to get out of this, even if it's uncomfortable. And the reality is growth is uncomfortable. Right. When you have, when you're forced to, when you, especially when you're forced to grow, it's one thing to kind of look forward and say, you know what? Um, I want to start a podcast. Yeah. What things do I need to do right. to get this thing together? But when you're forced, forced into a situation Mm. or you're forced to lose some things Mm. you're really forced to lose some things it really heightens your sensitivities Mm. but again what it should do is it should draw you even closer to God it should really fortify your God sense and I don't think that's what he did Mm. instead he kind of me 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 Mm. woe is me can't believe this happened to me I don't understand why this happened to me and when you get to that point that's when you really have to kind of check yourself Mm -hmm. you have to check yourself and you have to put some things in place and that's why I think later on that's when friends kind of come up not that they were saying all the right things but you had your support system kind of coming up because they hadn't been there in a while and things of that nature but again, you have to fortify yourself spiritually first you have Mm -hmm. to get that foundation Because when you lose yourself, that's always, that, that, having that spiritual foundation is always there, even in times when you lose yourself or lose the things around you. And that's where Job kind of went wrong.
0: So, would you say that this was a, you said everything in moderation. Is it a necessary part of the grieving? Because obviously he's grieving. Yes. Is some of this necessary? Is it okay to say, hey, you know, maybe wallow? Because a lot of people think that I have to go through this. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. part of me is like, well, maybe I should just skip past, I, I know I got to get past it, yeah. but is a little bit of this necessary to get past that stage? So that's, that's a great question. So I think that,
1: and, and, and it's funny you use the word wallowing. To me, that's, that's it's too much. It, that's too much. Yes. You know what I mean? Like reflection is key. Mm. Reflection is important. Mm. Um, you mentioned another powerful, impo- powerful and powerfully important word grieving. The grieving process is necessary. There's no way that I or anyone else can tell you exactly how long you have to grieve. But my suggestion is that even your grieving process has to be not structured, but just like you give, how can I put this? Just like you give yourself time and opportunities to grieve mm. even within the grieving process you have to give yourself time for motivation for healing mm. for a comeuppance of short of sorts you have to give yourself time to do those things mm. so you can't really say you know what I'm going hit ha- I'm going to go ahead and grieve and I'm just going to see how long it takes me mm. it's okay for things to kind of play out the way they're going to play out, but even in the midst, Mm. and God even talks about this, even in the midst of troubles, call on Him. Mm. So even in the midst of your grieving Mm. process, call on Him. You still have to fortify yourself. Mm. Even though you know, you know what, I'm still not feeling okay, I'm still feeling this grieving process, Mm. but you know what, I'm still going to sow seeds of positivity. Mm. I'm still going to sow seeds of healing. And eventually, even if they don't grow tomorrow, Mm. if I keep watering those seeds, those seeds are gonna grow even within the grieving process. So again, like you said to your point, Job was going through this grieving process. It is okay for us to grieve. We are supposed to grieve. And don't let anyone tell you how long you're supposed to grieve. You grieve as long as you need. Mm -hmm. But while you're in the midst Mm -hmm. of that grieving process, you have to sow seeds of healing, you have to sow seeds of growth, because if you allow yourself to kind of succumb to that darkness, then it'll be ever present and it'll be even more difficult to really, really kind of, uh, not finish up the grieving process, but it'll be even more um, difficult to have that healing process become a consistent part and you'll kind of get stuck Mm. in that that grief and then, it's, it's just so much more difficult to kind of deal with, whether it's work, school, family, uh, most importantly yourself. Mm-hmm. So you really have to kind of sow those seeds of positivity and healing, and that will allow you to kind of push forward.
0: Sure, sure. Let's talk about his friends. So his friends come when they hear of the news and they actually sit with him for seven days mm-hmm. and no one says anything. Yeah. And then Job opens his mouth and he's talking about, you know, woe the day I was born. And then his friends start to jump in. Mm-hmm. We talked about relationships, mm-hmm. we talked about support systems. Yes. And, and I know that you have mentioned before. I don't know if it's in your book or one of your videos. You see somebody who is going through something. Maybe they're angry. Mm-hmm. The worst thing you can do is to tell them to calm down. Yes. Right. <laughs> and 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 I, exactly. I want you to kind of analyze the the support given by his friends. You know, mm-hmm. so so they essentially, for those who don't know the story, they're basically blaming him. Yeah. For what happened, <laughs> they're basically saying you have committed some sin. So. And that's why your kids are dead, you know what I mean? Yeah. So how do you think, was yeah. this a necessary part of his process or mm-hmm. was there a better approach his friends could have yeah. taken to help him in his state of grief? Absolutely, so
1: first of all, um, you, you, and you, you mentioned it, you, you mentioned it before With when the friends came in. They came in and they were just silent. Mm-hmm. That is huge sure. because the reality of the matter is, again, we're not therapists. Mm-hmm. Friends aren't therapists. Right. They, they aren't. They just not. I mean, some of us are, are, you know, are fortunate enough and blessed enough to have a therapist as a friend. I get that. But most of our friends aren't therapists. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's just someone being there, mm-hmm. just having, just be present, just mm-hmm. be present with me. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on in life, uh, and, and especially at this time when we have friends who are married, have mm-hmm. children, have businesses, have mm-hmm. work that they have going on. For our friends to just take a little bit of time. Mm-hmm to sit with us and just kind of check in on us mm-hmm. and see how we're doing that in itself is powerful mm-hmm. it's a powerful thing just the presence of people especially people who are there to motivate you people who are there to love on you mm-hmm. um, that's a big thing so that kind of those 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 days themselves seven days yeah. those seven days of silence were literally golden golden just silence just but then, when it's time to talk, <laughs> that's where it gets a little rocky. That's where it gets a little rocky. Um, in therapy, it, it, it whenever you're a part of a healing process, even if, and this is this is this is us talking. This is us talking. So even if it is absolutely that person's fault. Mm that's probably not the best time to tell them in the very beginning of that grieving process to tell them that it's their fault right um i always say this story there's a story where um and and i'll I'll couch it this way um you have an opportunity to be a blessing to someone so the best thing to do is to not kind of Bring that blessing and then bring almost like a trail of negativity mm. with it. I have a friend of mine, um, teacher, he's doing amazing things right now. Shouts to my brother, Larry Sadler. He was actually on that NPR podcast, mm-hmm. uh, one of my best friends, great guy. Uh, before he got his certification, he had, uh, we're given, and I'm a former, I'm a former um, uh, Baltimore City Public Schools educator. So we're given a period of time that we can teach. Um, because we have the prerequisite skills, we have the prerequisite classes and things like that, but we still have to pass our uh, praxis tests and things of that nature. So um, he had uh, a couple people come to him. One person came to him and said, Mr. Sadler, you need to finish these classes, um, and if you don't finish these classes, you will no longer be a teacher at this Mm. school, so you need to figure it out. Leaves out the room, right? Mm. Another person comes in and says, Hey Mr. Sadler, how's it going? I'm noticing that you need these classes uh, for 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 your certification so listen this is what we're gonna do um I'm gonna I have a friend of mine who can assist you with getting ready for the test if you need it. Um, here is, I need you to find out which classes that you need because I may be able to assist you mm-hmm. with getting through those classes. Um, um, why don't we find out? Why don't we sit down and we find out exactly what it is that you need? Let's map this thing out mm-hmm. so that we can make sure. And, and and the reason why I'm doing this, Mr. Sally, is because you are amazing. I want you to be a part of the staff. You have uh, a completely just... Um, uh, Fortify these young people um, with, with, with your teaching. You're an incredible teacher and we want you to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, we're going to do everything that we can mm-hmm. to make sure that you stay a part of this. Mm-hmm. Essentially, both people were saying the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't get this done, you're no longer going to be here. Mm-hmm. But the approaches mm-hmm. were completely sure. different. Friends can always come in and friends always have opinions, like friends are always going to have opinions, but there's a time to be silent and then there's a time to kind of provide um, what I call motivation, what I call support, um, there's there's a time to uh, affirmation, there's a time to provide those things. When you're in the midst of this healing process, when you're in the midst of this grief, when you're in the midst of this depression, which is what he was going through, he was going through a depression at this time. Mm. When you're in the midst of that, that's not the time to talk about the cutters, shotters, waters, and this is what you did, and you brought this on yourself, and it's because of you. It's just not the time for it. There's always a way to kind of let people know things that maybe you think that they could they, they, they could they could do better, there's a way to kind of uh, uh, critique them in, 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 in a certain way. But again, it's about affirmation, it's about forward thinking, it's about having vision. Mm-hmm. And if you want people to have vision, you don't want to tear them down. Sure. Um, if you've noticed in, 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 in your therapy sessions, and obviously I've never been there, but in my therapy sessions, my therapist never tears me down. Mm-hmm. She'll tell me often things I could have done differently mm-hmm. She'll tell me even, okay, I think I understand what you did. I think I understand why you did it. Here's a different way maybe you could have kind of approached this situation. And that's where Job's friends, in my opinion, went kind of wrong. Anytime you're blaming someone, even if the blame literally rests solely with them. And I don't want us to be a part of this um, society. And I guess society is in a place where we just... We don't like to say anything anymore. Everybody's um, super sensitive and things like that. I get that. But when you're in a really, really dark place, you have to find, kind of figure out the best way to approach situations. And honestly, where Job was, you can kind of tell he was in a sensitive place at that time. He was in a place where he was hurting. He was in a place where he was yearning for people to kind of come in, be around him, be a support system. So when you're given that opportunity, it's best to try to fortify, to affirm, to do what you can to, uh, uh, to assist that healing process. And the reality is we're all different. Mm-hmm. So the way someone approaches you is going to be completely different from the way they can approach me because we'll take it into different things. They can be saying the same thing, but we might take it in, in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we have to understand the situation that he was in, mm-hmm. where he is, what he was, what he was feeling, and then be there as a support and then offer guidance, offer affirmation, offer healing words, mm-hmm. but placing blame, pay placing hurt. Sometimes it'll tear people down and it'll deteriorate what, uh, what, what resilience they've built up even in a short period of time.
0: sure I mean we could argue that his friends did the most damage in this process because that's where he really starts getting grieving he starts getting mad at God in some texts here because now they have I don't know if he conceived that he was to blame but once his friends start putting that out there now he's like God where is my trial you know, show me where I did wrong. How could you be so unjust? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, near the end of his discourse, he starts to give his resume in chapter 31 where he says, I did this. I've helped out mm-hmm. the, wid- the widow mm-hmm. and the fatherless. I never looked at a woman wrong. I never mm-hmm. looked at the sun and the moon and tried to worship mm-hmm. them. And, and so wow. it seems that and that's why I like I love the sovereignty of God, yes. because even though his friends did not say the things that they should have, in the midst of this discourse he gets to he gets through the process yes until god comes in mm-hmm. and so god has been silent for 35 chapters end of <laughs> chapter like two to i believe th- 37 yeah. and god comes in and lays the hammer down he's like y'all did all this talking let me come in you job you've given your resume let me give you my resume and <laughs> yeah, see how they compare where were you when i built the, the foundations of the world i put the sun moon and stars in their place mm-hmm. i set the tides in order or whatever and so he goes, God goes on and on and on. And uh, it's a beautiful, if you've never read Job 38 and 39, I mean, fabulous. Mm. It's poetry. Mm. Um, but how do you think God's words helped Job get to a place that kind of got him out of his state of mental health issues? Yes. Um, so
1: just to kind of bring it to real time, mm. bring it to where we are today, mm-hmm. and then to go back to Job. Mm-hmm. Um, we sometimes we look at the things that we do we look at the things that we've accomplished Mm. and to to your point job's running down his resume right um and oftentimes that's what we do we run down our resume we will i did this i do this i got this i have that um I, i i've done this for this person i've helped this person in that way and the reality of the matter is we are literally just vessels. Mm -hmm. You are living this life literally in God's name. Mm -hmm. This is the reason why you're doing it. This is the reason why you're doing it. So you're looking at your loss, Mm -hmm. personal. Job's looking at his personal loss, but he's not understanding God God allowed you to have those Mm -hmm. things. God gave you that. God gave you life. God gave you wife. God gave you kids. God gave you um, all the things that you accumulated over this point of time. So we have to what what, what i take from it and what i think that we all should take from it is we have to get to this point where we appreciate people for being people we obviously have to get to a point where we appreciate god and the grace that he has given us Mm -hmm. in life the grace that he has given us whether it's in the workplace the grace that he's given us within our families Mm -hmm. and we have to literally stop taking ourselves so seriously it's funny when i was working at, at at the school again as a community school coordinator I remember one of the parents coming in and you know, her saying, um, she I think somewhere she had read my bio or something like that. She was just like, Mr. Edwards, like you, you know, you went to Morgan and then, you know, you were a teacher and you got your then you got your master's degree and you have all this stuff going on. And I'm trying to figure out like why, like w- w- Where is she going? What? Like, well, you know, like you know what I'm saying, like where I'm like, What's going on? And she says, so, why is it that you come to me and you ask me for 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 guidance? Why mm-hmm. do you ask me for you know what I'm saying like real, Mr. Evans, I'm gonna be very honest with you. I didn't even finish high school, like but but you always ask my opinion. And I told her, I said, it doesn't really matter, like, you know, degrees and all that type stuff, they're cool, they're great, I, I feel that it's an accomplishment because it's something that I, it's a goal that I set, and I accomplished, I'm proud of it, I'm proud of the, the, the expertise, I guess, that it, that it, that it, that it has given me, the small, a small bit of expertise that it has helped me to get, but the reality the reality of the matter is, there are things that you know that I will never know, mm-hmm. just simply based off your experience, mm-hmm. your experience as, uh, as, as a parent, your experience as a woman, she's mm-hmm. a woman, and Your experience just as a person, your experience um, here in this school is vital. It's important. And I'm saying that to say God puts gifts and talents in all of us. He allows things to unfold. He allows us to choose choose our paths. paths. We have free will. We can choose these paths, but he allows. Mm -hmm. So all these things that we're pointing the finger at God, God, why, Joe, God, why, 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 why? I've done this, this, and this. God allows so what we have to do we have to kind of have an understanding of really just not taking ourselves so seriously understand that yes life is serious Yes, family is serious yes work is serious but we have to get to a point where we don't kind of put ourselves on a pedestal because of the things that we do realize that again we are living breathing walking talking vessels of God's grace that's what it's about he gets the credit for all these things. Mm. He gives, he takes away. And when and when we get to that understanding and we don't take ourselves so seriously, then again, what it does is not only does it allow us to get a closer relationship with God, but it allows us to kind of use that grace to extend mm. to others. And again, it stops being about us, sure. which is where Job had to get.
0: Sure, sure. And I love one of the reasons why this is one of my favorite books in the Bible is seeing these moments of levity that he has, even in the midst of his discourse, He has these glimpses. Like, I know my Redeemer lives, and, you know, at the last day, even though worms destroy my body and my flesh, I will see God. But then in the next chapter, he's back to where he is. And so this is part of a process of back and forth. And so God, basically, as to to what you're saying, being that person who has a a perspective that Job doesn't have, let me give you a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Um, And so once that's been established, first Job is like, well, you shut me up, you put me in my place, I have nothing to say. And then if we had time we would see that job actually i mean god actually tells job this is your enemy like when he talks about leviathan in chapter 41 mm-hmm. he's basically you know saying you've been blaming me for all of this when you don't understand the spiritual battle the ephesians 6 12 we bat not against flesh and blood mm-hmm. satan is the one and that's why in the end of 42 he's like ah i spoke of things i didn't understand mm-hmm. now he repents <laughs> he realizes he has mm-hmm. done wrong mm-hmm. And then he prays for his friends, and that's when restoration comes. Which is another thing that I love—the fact that all this time he's been self-focused. And and it says it says when he prayed for his friends, that's when everything was restored. There you go. So what would you take Jeez. out of this? We have a, a section when we when we close called self-check. It is a introspective way for us to evaluate ourselves, and with God's help, put into to practice some of the things that we've talked about in the show. Absolutely. What do you think someone can do in terms of? Just a quick way, besides getting your book, (laughs) uh, (laughs) evaluating themselves to see where they are from a mental health standpoint and some potential first steps for them to take, keeping in mind what we talked about and what we see from Job. Absolutely.
1: So um, I think that the the ending point that you said with Job, um, and we talked about this, is taking yourself from that kind of more so self-centered point of view um, and seeing how what you can do, seeing seeing how the things that you do, seeing how those things can benefit others. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is again, we talked about reflection. We talked about the importance of reflection. We talked about, again, self-healing how that is an important process. You have to go through that process. But the reality of the matter is the reason why you're doing those things the reason why you're reflecting, the reason why you're trying to heal yourself is not just for you. Mm -hmm. It's about helping your family. Mm -hmm. It's about helping your friends. You said yourself, Job got to a point where he stopped that kind of self-centered thinking. So those self-centered notions And he started thinking about the bigger picture. He was vision focused. He started saying, you know what? I need to be praying for my friends. I need to be praying for my family. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. Yes, woe is me. Go through your grieving process. But don't forget that there are others out there who need assistance as well. Mm -hmm. There there are people out there who are probably doing, um, sadly, 10 times worse than what you're doing Mm -hmm. right now. So that being the case, understanding that, we have to understand that our healing process, our reflections are about healing ourselves so that we can continue to praise God's name. We can continue to, uh, to, to to fortify others, again, with God as the foundation. And that's what it's about. Stop the self-centered thinking, heal, and then help as many others heal as possible. And that's what it's about. That's what life is about, man. Where can we find your book? Where
0: can we find you online connect with you? Yes,
1: please. Um, so you can find the book on Amazon. It is on Amazon. $18 um, um, for the book. Uh, all you literally have to do is search Sananda, mm-hmm. T-S-A-N-O-N-D-A. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram, both Sananda, T-S-A-N-O-N-D-A. I'm probably um, one of the only ones in the world, Sananda's right. <laughs> in the world. So if you look that up, you'll, you'll definitely find me on Instagram. Um, you can also look on, look at my website. It's called SanandaCares.com, mm-hmm. T S a n o n d a c a r e s sananda where you'll have like links to some of the information that i'm doing and i kind of keep you updated with some of the things that i have going on uh, with my mental health advocacy awesome awesome you mind closing closing us up with prayer absolutely Uh, dear heavenly father we ask that you continue to watch over and protect us in these times we ask that you continue to bless us and and give us again the right paths that we need to continue again to make manifest the blessings that you have given us and the grace that you give us every day. We thank you for all the things that you have blessed us with. We ask that you continue to uh, give us guidance, give us protection, and more than anything, continue to fortify us with the faith we need to do the things that you
0: would have us do. We do all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you for watching, for listening. Uh, Sananda Sananda Edwards, you can find him online. I'll put some links in the description in the show notes so so you can grab him. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.